for me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and as mentioned in the open, this is a New York Giants podcast with NFL flavor, if you will, and we are here. Week one, the Joe Shane, Brian Dable era is about to begin Sunday in Nashville, Tennessee at Nissan Stadium against Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans, the number one seed in the AFC last year. They end up getting knocked off by the Cincinnati Bengals, the juggernaut Cincinnati Bengals. And so the Titans have a lot of motivation coming back for this season. Touched on it a little bit on NorthJersey.com. Make sure you check it out. We did a scouting report and behind frenemy lines taking from our segment on the podcast with Ben Arthur of the Tennessean. He answered four questions for us. Uh, in a scouting report of the Titans, and obviously last year's exit from the playoffs was talked about. On today's show, we will have the left tackle of the New York Giants, Andrew Thomas, his ascension and development at the position comes full circle on Sunday to begin year three. We'll talk about that with Drew and a lot more earning the C on his chest for this year and what he expects out of this team and himself. I think you'll enjoy it. Just like Julian Love last week, Andrew Thomas is a two-time all-in guest. But last year, we had to do it via Zoom, and he was in the training room getting treatment for his ankle injury. So that certainly was a curveball at the 11th hour, but... Andrew and I persevered last year, and I think you'll enjoy our face-to-face interview this year. Also, the final drive, your questions, my answers, and Burt Bainbridge, our betting analyst for NorthJersey.com and the USA Today Network. He'll join us to talk about the odds this weekend in a new segment that I would like to call Tell Me the Odds. If you want to do that in the Han Solo voice, that would be great for me. So before we get into the interview with Andrew Thomas, let me remind you what I need from our audience is to subscribe. Subscribe not only to this podcast, but if you can, go online, go to the subscription page at NorthJersey.com, at Low Hud, Asbury Park Press, whatever local area you would consider your local news area, you can subscribe there for our digital subscription. Right now it is $1 for six months, and that is for new subscribers. And you can get that local news in the area in New Jersey that you're interested in, plus you'll get all my Giants coverage all of the subscriber-only content and everything 
that we put out, you will have access to. It's a great deal. And if you're all in with this podcast and with my coverage, it's certainly a way to show it. And we appreciate anyone who can do it. We certainly understand that we take nothing for granted in terms of where your money goes and what kind of financial commitments you can make. Uh, But we sure hope that if you value our coverage and my coverage and my presence on the Giants beat, that you would find a way to be able to do that. So thank you for listening to the pitch. And let's get right to Andrew Thomas, someone who I believe is among the most important Giants, if not the most important Giant going into this year. And if I had to make a list of the most outstanding Giants going into this year, not most valuable, but most outstanding, I think the two Giants that have their best season would be Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney. And you heard from Xavier McKinney a couple weeks ago on this podcast. So without further ado, here's my interview with Andrew Thomas. All right, welcome back to All In. And with me this week, preparing for the season opener, captain, left tackle for the New York Giants, Andrew Thomas. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, So, you know, I was thinking about this. The media got back in the locker room for the first time in a while, and it's the first you've been here two years, and you're a captain. And it's the first time we've been in there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, does it feel like two years have gone by already in your career? No, it's definitely going by pretty fast. Um, um, I think the rookie year was pretty long. It felt long just because of COVID and everything. Um, but last year, it really flew by pretty fast. You know, I was thinking about this as I was preparing. Uh, Sunday, the Tennessee Titans, you guys are going down there. Year three for you starting up, new regime. Uh, And one thing that struck me is that Bud Dupree is going to be out there Mm -hmm. for the Titans. And I would imagine you've had to watch a lot of film on Bud Dupree Mm -hmm. recently. Two years ago, you watched a lot of film on Bud Dupree, and it was kind of a baptism by fire, Mm -hmm. your first game against the Steelers. Yeah. when you're watching Dupree now, do you have any flashbacks? Do you go back to notes? Are there mental notes about how you were attacked by the Steelers two years ago? And how much does that factor into your game plan this week? No, it's definitely mental notes um, from you know the time I had to play on my first game. Um, but the scheme is different um, in Tennessee. The way they, they use them is a little bit different. Um, gotcha. So. Like when I'm, we're talking about like one-on-one pass rush when he's just on me. Yes, his moves are similar to you know what I saw my my um, my rookie year, but um, some of the games that they run and, and different blitzes that they have are different. Yeah, I'm curious. The one thing that also struck me is that if you were watching stuff, I don't know if you did, if you went back and watched cut-ups of him from the game you mm-hmm. guys played. You're also seeing yourself mm-hmm. two years later. And I know you're a guy who likes to watch yourself on film, even from this summer. Yep. Who did you see out there? Did you recognize you, the player, from two years ago? Or, or have you made the strides that you've gone after making and that you look so different as a player? I've definitely you know, progressed since then. <laughs> um, still some things that I'm working on to this day, but um, 
those memories will never leave me. Like I remember, you know, playing out there the first game with no fans out there. Yeah. Um, you can hear people talking on the sideline. It was crazy. Um, you know, I'll never forget that game. Um, you know, obviously it didn't come up the way we wanted to, but it was my first NFL game. So, you know, I, I was excited to be out there. And like I said, I've definitely, you know, came a long way since then. I thought it was pretty cool, you know, thinking about that. It does kind of bring it full circle in a way. Like you said, Tennessee is not going to play the same game plan mm-hmm. as the Steelers. But right. for you to think that your career trajectory from where you were to now going in, let's talk about the idea of your role. I know you, you've been asked in press conferences the idea that, um, you know, this team now looks to you uh, as a leader in that room. And it it really hasn't been a long time to make that progression from rookie to leader. Uh, did you feel that coming this summer? Did you feel like you were gaining the respect of teammates even by not being the guy who's out there, rah, rah, you know, follow me, lead, let me lead you guys? Yeah, even with the, the old staffs, like in my exit meetings, um, one of the biggest things from the coaches was um, at this point your next step is – bringing other guys with you, not just focusing on yourself and playing well, um, you know, being a catalyst for the, the rest of the guys in that room and for the offense. So that was something that I, I knew was coming and something that I wanted to work on, you know, starting in OTAs. It was a little, was a little bit tougher because I wasn't out there, um, but I knew coming to training camp, I wanted to, you know, be more of a leader and, and try to help guys. Uh, I asked Julian Love last week, obviously he's another another captain here, how much it meant to him Uh for you, take me to that moment when when Dave's announced the captains. Did you expect to hear your name in that moment? And what was the what was the feeling when you heard your name being announced as one of the offensive captains? No, I, I didn't expect it, um, but I was definitely honored. How um, many time you know your your team they vote for you? Um, it means more than you know from coaches or from outside sources. Like when your your teammates, the people that work hard with you every day, they compete against you, um, respect you that much is definitely an honor. When you think in in your career, you've had guys at every level you've played at that I'm sure when you were a younger player, you idolize, you look at them as leaders and you try to take things from the way they lead. Hmm. When you think back in your career, are there leaders at different levels that you think of even to this day, advice or things that you watched and picked up and said, you know what, when I'm in that position, I'm going to kind of adopt that as my way to lead? I think it's a little different um, for offensive linemen. Um, especially, you know, growing up as a kid, you don't really hear much about what's going on in the, you know, in the trenches and, and right. what's going on in the meeting rooms and stuff like that. You kind of see like some of the more, you know, rah rock guys and skill positions. I would say growing up, um, a guy that I looked to a lot was Ray Lewis. Okay. Um, even, you know, back in rec league, I used to play defense and that was somebody that I looked to just um, from the intensity that he played with. And I think that translates to offensive line, just, just being physical. Um, obviously not as outspoken as Ray Lewis. But, <laughs> I was just going to yeah, say, you guys know sure. you are going to, yeah. a little wrinkle this year, right. the, the offense and defense are going to be yeah. introduced. Mm-hmm. We expecting a little Andrew Thomas, Ray Lewis entry nah, in, in nah, the stadium? I, I, I'll show some you know emotion on the field. I, I'll have some, but uh, not, not like Ray Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> what about from guys you played with? Uh, are there any guys, I mean, obviously you come from a, a powerhouse program. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and it's, what's funny is when you went to Georgia and now when you look at Georgia <laughs> defending yeah. national champ and what they put on display last week was pretty crazy. They've taken it to another level. But did you have any guys that you played with that you looked at when you were younger and said, you know what, I, I can, you know, I like how that guy leads. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like what his style is. Yeah, I would say my freshman year, the year we went to the national championship, it was so many guys I can name. Um, in my own room, Isaiah Wynn was somebody that I, you know, I looked to. He played left. He was playing left tackle at the time. 
I'm, you know, first round draft pick, been playing in the league for a while. Just somebody that I look to, for example, just the way he practiced, the way he approached. He wasn't a real rah rah guy um, as well, but um, every time he put his pads on, you knew, you know, what time it was. And then, you know, other guys, Nick and Sony, like all those guys, you know, just the way they they approached every day, and that's something I try to do. Gotcha. Yeah. When you're when you're attacking your your game and trying to improve what you've been working on, and you you were, I remember from talking to you when you were a rookie, you you honed in on a checklist and things that you were working on, mm-hmm. and I would imagine that checklist has gotten smaller. I mean, that would be theory, right? Yeah. As older you get, the checklist gets smaller. But when you went into this summer, were you able to accomplish? what you wanted to to be ready for Sunday in terms of your technique and what you were working on and do you feel like you're where you wanted to be when the season started? Yeah, um, throughout the practices there are some things that I, you know, wanted to work on coming from myself and then coming from, you know, um, you know, Bobby just, you know, the new scheme and the way he wants certain things done. Um, but there were some things that I had to clean up and I'm I'm still working on. I don't think you're ever, you know, a hundred percent but um I definitely made, you know, progressions, you know, starting from the beginning of camp. You mentioned Bobby, and I know you'll never use changes as an excuse. You adapt, Mm -hmm. and that's the way you go. But I was writing them down. Bobby is technically the fifth offensive line coach that you've had in title, and that's not even counting the assistants that have been involved Mm -hmm. in in everything. Um, How – what have you learned about the business of the NFL that has – kind of forced you to adapt to those changes in, like you said, teachings, techniques, yep. philosophies. Uh, what has that done for your game? Has it has it made you a better player mm-hmm. because you've been adapted to so many different ways? Well, I would say, um, one, I was spoiled at Georgia um, just from, you know, expecting to win every year. Um, and you just knew what it was. Even if we weren't playing well, you know what I'm saying, you, you'll win certain games. But in the league, um, you learn really quickly if you don't perform that they're going to, you know, make changes. And that's something that I experienced. And I'm, I've also learned um, that you have to take um, coaching with a grain of salt. Like you, you understand this is the way a coach may want something done, but you, have, you also have to understand, you know, what your game is and how you play, how you perform and just trying to find a happy medium versus trying to do exactly what, you know, a coach is teaching. And then, you know, they leave and then now your whole you know <laughs> game is out the plan, you know, out the way, you know what I'm saying? So you just got to understand what, what works for you and then just try to, you know, meet in the middle. That's kind of, that has to be a weird thing. The more accomplished you become as a player, mm-hmm. the, the easier it is to say, you know what, I'm, I'm focusing in on what right. I'm going to do and they're going to yeah. see me as a player, not mm-hmm. necessarily what they want. Exactly. And and it's, it's a relationship too. It's not like you're just like, you know, stick your chest out. Like I'm just doing it. This is the way I'm doing it. But they understand, sure. you know, they've been coaching for a while. They understand if guys are doing something that works. Um, they, you know, they'll they'll work with you. So, at any point this week, do you walk into Dave's office or go talk to Kafka and say, "Listen, you know, I had a touchdown catch last year. <laughs> you know, are we going to work that into the game plan at some point?" Now, I remind them all the time, and they they bring it up more than me. So, I'm like, whenever y'all ready, you know, I'm here. Um, we have a little play that we do, um, like a little desperation play, and I always uh, catch the ball in it, or whatever, and walkthroughs and stuff like that. But we'll see. You know, what I'm saying like. Um, I think in Buffalo they had a few guys, you know, to catch some touchdowns. So we'll right. see. Yeah, yeah. Deion Dawkins yeah. had, uh, and he had a celebration yeah, afterwards. Did, yeah. I know you had the group, but yeah, Deion was. Sure. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, not to disrespect anybody who's out there, but according to the depth chart, the unofficial mm-hmm. depth chart, the three wide receivers, you had more touchdown catches than the three guys that mm-hmm. you guys are going to start. Uh, on Sunday, technically, yeah. I mean it's not fair because Wandell was was lighting yeah, it up yeah, in college. But sure. um, 
tell me about your your goals when you look at what you what you expect from Andrew Thomas in 2022 and beyond. What where are you at mentally? What do you, what are you aiming for? What are you motivated by? Um, I guess individual goals just being consistent as possible, um, and like we talked about earlier, just being more of a leader and bringing you know the guys with me and you know especially you know we got some young guys that's they're going to get a lot of reps so just doing my best to help them you know get through that process because I've obviously you know been through that if you find out at the end of this year that people start talking Andrew Thomas and Pro Bowl is that something that would be considered something that you thought of early on in your career that you would want to accomplish you know it's it's not something that I I guess I would say I, I focused on you know especially coming in rookie year like I was just you know, focusing on getting better and playing well. But I think if I continue that mindset, just, you know, worry about getting better and being consistent, I think, you know, the accolades will follow. Andrew Thomas, it's been great to watch you develop to this point. Good luck on Sunday in Tennessee, and we'll be watching you all year. Appreciate you. Okay, special thanks to Andrew Thomas for joining me. It's a busy week for the Giants, especially with the tweaks to the schedule that Brian Dable Uh, has implemented, brought with him from Buffalo, coming out of Labor Day weekend. They worked Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then have Thursday off, and then Friday, Saturday, travel down to Nashville for the game. Uh, Traditionally in the NFL, Tuesdays are the players' day off, but Dable felt by giving them the entire Labor Day weekend off and coming back on Monday would have been kind of silly to give them off on Tuesday, it really would have been, you know, four off days essentially uh, going into the biggest week of the season, or at least the first week of the season. Uh, They hope that there are bigger games to play, but thanks to Andrew Thomas. And like I said, Bud Dupree kind of gave Andrew a little bit of a baptism by fire in his first game. Uh, So seeing Bud Dupree down in Nashville on Sunday represents a little bit of a full circle moment for Andrew Thomas to show how far he's come. So our next segment here is going to be hopefully a weekly one. And you guys, anyone who listens or knows me knows how big of a Star Wars fan I am. So as I joked in the open, picture this in a Han Solo voice. It's tell me the odds and no better person to bring on is our sports betting analyst for NorthJersey.com and the USA Today Network. He was on last year. He's a Giants fan, so everybody can embrace him. Burt Bainbridge, thanks for joining me again on All In, and uh, welcome to the NFL season. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. I can't wait to get started for this football season. I'm ready to, I'm ready to get going this week, so thank you for, for having me on again. So the New York Giants, four wins last year, considered probably in competition with Washington for the bottom of the NFC East with Dallas and Philly uh, out in front. Tell me the odds for the Giants from your perspective. What do you like, what you don't like as far as over-unders and where they sit going into the season opener in Tennessee? Yeah, so as the offseason began in May, I was really leaning on – I wrote for NorthJersey.com – a column about how I, I was leaning towards their over. I thought, you know, with the, um, you know, with the new regime coming in of uh, Brian Dayball and Joe Shane, I thought there was some optimism. But as the summer's gone on, and as I just thought about it and watching a little bit of preseason, I'm a little more pessimistic than I once was um, to start the summer. So right now, I'm actually un- on there right now on Typico Sportsbook. There, I'm under a seven and a half total win at minus one sixty, which just means you have to um, a little juiced. So that just means if uh, 
wins under um, win totals. But again, this season, I mean, since they finished last, last as you mentioned, in the NFC last year uh, with that 4-13 record, they do have some winnable games. You know, they play Houston, Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle this year. So they definitely do have some winnable games on their schedule. It's just can they get over their hump and, you know, make that next step this season. So it, it'll all depend, but they do definitely have some winnable games and could definitely get to that um, – seven-and-a-half win mark. But right now I think I'm a little more on the pessimistic side of I'm taking the under seven-and-a-half total win. And I could see that, too, because if it were six-and-a-half, I think you might want to go up and say, okay, if you have a half glass full, uh, you would say, all right, if they get to seven, that's a big step forward. But sitting at seven-and-a-half, that means obviously doing the math, you got to get to eight. And asking eight for eight wins out of this team right now, um, you know, Joe Shane has acknowledged the roster has needed work. They've had some financial constraints in terms of the salary cap. So that's certainly uh, certainly one thing to go. Um, let's go to the division a little bit. How do you see the NFC East breaking out? I mean, uh, do you... Do you buy into the idea that it is really a two-team race up top and then the Giants and Washington are kind of at the bottom? Uh, I do. I, I honestly do think that is the case right now. Um, right now, the, uh, the odds-on favor at Tipco Sportsbook is the Cowboys at plus 140, and Eagles are um, right behind them at plus 150. And then uh, and then you have the Commanders coming in at plus 500 and the Giants all the way down at plus uh, 750. But I do think this is a two-team race just roster-wise and looking at the talent. On all these teams, it should be, you know, barring injuries as the season goes on. It looks like this is a two-horse race between the Cowboys and Eagles. And right now, I, there's a slight value. I do. I know it's a very popular, trendy pick um, right now because of uh, with the Cowboys losing Tyron Smith and having a couple injuries and trading Amari Cooper in the offseason. But I do like the Eagles right now at plus 150 to win the division. I think they have. I like them right now. It's not as the odds-on favorite. You know, I like them just as slightly right behind the Cowboys, and I like their schedule too. You know, they opened the season in Detroit, but they also play the likes of Jacksonville, Houston. You know, we play the AFC, the, you know, the NFCs plays the uh, AFC South, AFC South this year. So they definitely do have some winnable games, too, and a great roster trading for A.J. Brown this offseason, drafting Jordan Davis in this uh, past year's draft. So they do have a lot of talent. I think they are the most talented team in the division. And right now, I would take them at plus 152 win this division with all the, with everything surrounding the Cowboys between injuries and losing some, uh, Losing some guys this offseason. I agree with you. I, I think right now it, it's the Eagles' division to win, uh, but it does come down to the quarterback. And if Jalen Hurts can eliminate the inc- inconsistency and some of the mistakes and turnovers that he had, you know, we've heard. I, I don't care what the numbers are. Um, you know, you look at Daniel Jones has dealt with the turnover bug, and he's still answering for turnovers from his rookie year. And the idea that Jalen Hurts can go out and play a game like he did against the Giants last year at MetLife, um, I'd be a little hesitant if I'm an Eagles fan if things get off uh, slowly for their quarterback. That's certainly one to watch. Um, tell me overall, before we dive into just week one on Sunday, uh, overall in the league, what's your what's your favorite play? If there's something you've been looking at league-wide as far as whether it's Super Bowl or to win a division, what do you like? Yeah, so one of my favorite bets right now, and it, it is a very popular and trendy pick, I will say that, at hand, but I really do like the Denver Broncos. I like you know bringing in Russell Wilson at quarterback and um, you know the talent that they have on both sides of the ball. So right now, one of my uh, best bets, I think, is um, the Broncos 
win that division. Um, so that's probably what, if I'm looking at a bet right now, that's one of my best ones to go to. Um, they're plus 1,200 to win the Super Bowl right now. So that is another bet there. I'm kind of in the middle of the pack to um, to win the Super Bowl. But right now, one of my uh, favorite bets on Tifico, I believe, is the Broncos at plus, uh, plus 260 to take the, take the AFC West. Awesome. You know, that defense uh, should be – should be a lot better than what people think, uh, just based on their their back end. Uh, you know, when you look at Sertain last year, uh, I think he was on the road to to really having a big year, and then got hurt against the Giants, and uh, they kind of went quietly. Obviously, Vic Fangio uh, and his staff gets uh, blown out of there in Denver. So definitely an interesting one to look at. Uh, let's dive into to week one. Let's start with the Giants in Nashville against the Titans. Uh, I think it was typical had it at five and a half. Uh, what are you thinking in terms of that game? And is there, do you see a scenario where the Giants could, could keep that close and, and maybe give you some value uh, in week one, they haven't won an opener in five years, you know, yeah. in six years. So I, I don't know if yeah. many people are going to be jumping. So maybe that number creeps up as we're going towards Sunday and becomes a playable bet. Right. Yeah. No, I did. I did. Uh, I did realize that that they haven't won at least since 2016 against the Cowboys was their last, uh, yep. in, their first week one win. So it, it has been a bit. It has been a minute for uh, the Giants here in week one. But right now, yep, you're right. They are plus uh, five and a half, minus one ten on typical. If they if the Giants scored twenty points on Sunday, they might throw a parade for for Brian Gable and company just based on uh, this offense. No, I think the offense right. is going to surprise some people. I think Tennessee's defense is a little soft. Uh, I, I think Kevin Byard is obviously a great player. Um, I'm interested to see how their pass rush is affected by Harold Landry's injury. He went out with the ACL. Uh, about a week and a half ago, so that's certainly a blow to Tennessee. Uh, and I do think there's an unknown factor. I, I do think that we see that over the course of a season that first year coaches get a bump, you know, maybe except for Urban Meyer. You know, nor- normally there's a little momentum that goes with a first year program because people aren't familiar with it, how they're going to attack. And I think that plays to the Giants' advantage a little bit on Sunday. I agree with you. I'd probably take the Titans uh, minus the five and a half, but I could see something like you said where. Uh, you know, Giants score late and it's a, a four point game, but it maybe wasn't a four point game at one point. Um, you know, maybe 27 23, that kind of thing. Uh, but I think you're spot on with that. All right, before I let you go, why don't you give me uh, 
a couple games that you really like for the listeners this weekend, whether it's money line or or by the spread. Um, so maybe they can make some money if they so choose to do it legally uh, in, in this uh, first week of the NFL season. Yeah, so I do like uh, um, a couple of home underdogs here. So you have Packers-Vikings um, in Minnesota week one. And I'm kind of feeling the Vikings side. You know, the Packers, they trade Devontae Adams uh, in the offseason. And, yes, they do have Aaron Rodgers, the back-to-back MVP. But right now they're at minus 101, so basically almost about even money to win this game. And I think it's going to be super close. And with Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams and Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen all healthy right now, and this defense hopefully can be a little bit better than last year, I do – like the Vikings as a slight underdog at home here to win in uh, to win in Week One, and another one. And unfortunately for Giants fans, I do like the Cowboys a little bit at home as at uh, plus one fifteen as underdogs. And I know I mentioned Tyron Smith going down and some question marks outside of CD Lamb at receiver, but the Buccaneers could be in two and a half point favorites here um, on the road is kind of tough. You know, Brady missed a week and a half during the um, training camp, and then you know they've had so many injuries to this offensive line. Um, throughout the offseason, and is Chris Godwin going to be healthy enough? So right now I do like the Cowboys either at plus 2.5, but really I would say just to take them on the money line at plus 115 um, as underdogs in week one. So I do like um, right now the Cowboys and the, and the Vikings both as home underdogs as my uh, best bets for uh, week one. Cowboys gave the Bucks all they could handle last year in the season opener, so certainly you're not off, you know, off track on that. I think maybe they match up well against Tampa, and uh, I think I think that's not a bad uh, a bad look. And just a just a reminder for for those listening uh, that. Packers Vikings game is the one that's going to be called by my guys Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson on NFL on Fox. Uh, they're the new number one team. They came from North Jersey. I've known them both for more than twenty years. We had a story that posted on NorthJersey.com and across the network uh, for subscribers on Thursday morning. So make sure you check it out. Uh, I can give you stuff on on those two guys from their early beginnings that I don't think you can get anywhere else. So, um, you know, like I said, that that Vikings-Packers game I think is going to be very competitive. So I think Burt nailed it on that one. Uh, You know, maybe Packers win it late with Rodgers, but I do think that uh, the Vikings are probably going to be – you know, overlooked a little bit, and that first-year coach bump. I think that that's legit with O'Connell uh, in Minnesota. Bert, thank you for joining us on. Tell me the odds. I think that's going to be uh, our new segment, and as best like as best as you can, uh, we can make it a weekly segment. But I appreciate all your work. Check out all of Bert's work on NorthJersey.com and across the network. And uh, have a great week, one Bert. We'll talk to you next week. All right, my thanks to Bert, and I think it'll be a fun segment. You know, it's amazing how far we've come in 10 years, but uh, in terms of even the last couple of years, talking about, you know, NFL odds, and um, look, it, it's reality. So let's enjoy it, embrace it, and uh, I hope he gave you a little bit of information that, uh, if you so choose, that you can make a few bucks for yourself Uh Gamble responsibly, that's what I will say. So, let's go into the final segment. The final drive, which are your questions and my answers. I've had fun with this, and I suggest that you reach out to me on Twitter. Hashtag AllInArt with your questions. All right, let's roll. 
Johnny Five, you got two questions. After not seeing much of the preseason, do you think Wandell Robinson gets a heavy dose in week one? Uh, I don't know how heavy his dose will be. Uh, I do think Sterling Shepard will play. I think Kadarius Toney will play. Uh, And you obviously have Kenny Galladay out there as well. Uh, And I do think Saquon Barkley will get a big load against Tennessee. Uh, I think, Wandale, you may see uh, some some sweeps, uh, not necessarily a gadget play, see him in the backfield a little bit. Um, so if you're thinking from a fantasy perspective, I wouldn't go crazy on Wandell early, but given the injury nature of the receivers on this team, uh, I think Wandell, if you bid his bids his time, uh, I think give him a couple weeks and he may be even a bigger part of this offense uh, than what has been revealed in the latter part of the preseason. And number two, do I think Wink gives Aaron Robinson help in Wink in week one? Uh Help in what way? Because I think Wink plays defense one way, and it's aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. So I think they're going to essentially ride or die with Aaron Robinson in week one. You know, maybe they shade a safety over a little bit, uh, but for the most part, I think it's going to be a game of if Wink Martindale can come after Ryan Tannehill, it's going to be a game of who gets there first. And. If Tannehill can make a play and get the ball downfield, I think it'll likely be in the direction of Aaron Robinson, and we will see how Aaron Robinson plays when the lights go on. And the preseason was not pretty uh, in his adjustment to being CB2. We'll see if that happens uh, moving forward. Let's move on to Kyle Mahoney. Do I think Williams, Leonard Williams or Galladay will be cut, traded next year, post-June 1st, due to massive contract sizes? I do think that Kenny Galladay is playing for his career here, uh, his career with the Giants anyway. Uh, can't go through a season like he had last year and expect to be here in 2023. I think what Joe Shane has shown uh, is that he is willing, if he sees a player, uh, to restructure a contract and essentially force a pay cut upon that player to keep him here. Could I see something like that happening with Kenny Galladay? It's hard to project that far ahead. So I would say Kenny Galladay won't be here next year. Uh, As far as Leonard Williams goes, with the restructure that they did, uh, I think they've identified Leonard as a player. He's durable. Uh, He might not be Aaron Donald, which is maybe what the money suggests at times. But I do think that Leonard Williams could be part of this team beyond next season. Uh, they have to worry about the salary cap, and the hit is enormous. Uh, but if they get a good season out of Leonard Williams, I think they bite the bullet on that and look to uh, do what they can uh, to keep him here. Uh, do I see a Giants making a move for LJ Fort? He's somebody I mentioned when we did the, the roundtable podcast with John Schmelk. Tom Rock and Paul Schwartz for Giants.com. Uh, the fact remains is that I think they are who they are through week one, and then week two we may see some veterans come in. And LJ Fort, I haven't seen his name pop up anywhere as far as workouts go, so I'm not sure what his status is, uh, but he would certainly be among those guys if the Giants are looking to add 
uh, an inside linebacker now that Blake Martinez is gone. And do I see a win coming out of Tennessee realistically? No, I don't. They've lost five openers in a row, and until they get one, uh, you know, it's been since 2016, Ben McAdoo's first game. So that's how long it's been. Um, I, I think the Titans win. I think the Giants could play pretty well. Uh, but in the end, I think the Titans at home, coming off of a disaster of an ending last year, I think the Titans end up winning the game. Big Skip wants to know percentage of snaps Kadarius will play. I think Kadarius plays the game. I think he's a big factor offensively. Uh, I think he's healthy. I think he's in a good place. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter earlier this week, being back in the locker room, could see him joking around with teammates, uh, seems much more comfortable with the media present. I think that's good for Kadarius. Uh, and health is the biggest factor. If he's out there and he's playing, I think Brian Dable and Mike Kafka will do what they can to get the ball in his hands and make him a player on this team. Uh, so I think... 70% of the offensive snaps this week for Kadarius. I think that's uh, that's a good spot. Okay, Keelan wants to know who my dark horse for team MVP is. Uh, Andrew Thomas is my dark horse for MVP. Uh, I think he has a very good year. I think he solves a lot of the issues that gave him problems the last two years. And I think when you look at this offensive line, I think everyone will be looking at Andrew Thomas as the true leader uh, and the best offensive lineman that the Giants have had since Chris Snee. Uh, I think that's not an unfair uh, expectation for Andrew Thomas. Uh, besides McKinney, who do I think gets extended first? I'll give you one. And he was on the show two weeks ago. Julian Love. I think Wink will like Julian Love in the role he plays. I think they'll get the most out of Julian Love. I don't think Julian Love will break the bank, per se, uh, if he hits the market. So I think Julian Love will get extended. He will be the first player to get extended from the 2019 draft class. That's my projection uh, for Julian. Uh, he's on a four-year contract. This is last year. I think he returns next year with the Giants on a new deal. Blaine wants to know, uh, Darius Slayton didn't seem to produce much over the summer. What's the thought process of keeping him and his salary over Alex Bachman? I get they redid his deal, but Alex is cheaper and had a better camp. Well, sometimes it's relative, and you're right. Alex Bachman had a much better summer than Darius Slayton. Uh, but Alex Bachman was playing with the third team in preseason games with Davis Webb. I mean, if we're going by that count, then Tyrod Taylor should be gone and Davis Webb should be challenging Daniel Jones for the quarterback spot. Um, look, I, I know there's a lot of love for Alex Bachman and, and I've liked him since he got here. Uh, this is a team that has a bunch of guys who play his spot. If Alex Bachman was going to make this team, he needs to be a factor on special teams. And for whatever reason, he just hasn't been a factor uh, in whether it's snap percentage or being out there on the field. He hasn't been able to work his way in. He's been on the scout team of the special teams units, but he hasn't been able to crack in uh, for whatever reason. Uh, so, unfortunately, if you're the Giants, who are you playing in the slot? Who are you getting snaps? There's a question right off the bat about snaps for Wandell Robinson. 
if you're splitting snaps between Tony and Shepard and Robinson, now Alex Bachman, how is Alex Bachman getting on the game day roster? That's a big issue here. Uh, he's tried out in a couple different places, the Patriots, the Bears, uh, still hasn't latched on yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up on somebody's practice squad in the near future. As far as Slayton goes, look, it's all at his feet. You know, if he's on the game day roster, he has an opportunity. He's going to get a chance to make some plays. He didn't make those plays last year, and that's why he was in this predicament this year with so much uncertainty about whether he'd stay or not. Now he's back down to 900 and change, 900K and change as far as his salary goes. That's much better. Uh, and much more conducive to being a part of this team as a wide receiver four slash five than it would have been at two point five million. Uh, so in that situation, it's a tough part of the business, uh, but that's where we're at. So we'll see what Slayton does with this opportunity to stick around. Uh, let's go to Isaac. Isaac Medina, you have been on this show from the very beginning. Uh, do I think this offense will be functional? Well, yeah, I do. I think they'll be functional. I think they'll be better in the run game up front. I think they may still struggle a little bit in pass pro, especially against good teams on the interior, especially Jeffrey Simmons from the Titans could give them problems on Sunday. But will they finish top 15? I'm thinking probably closer to 20. But that would be a good step forward for this team. That would mean things have worked. And I do think that there is something to be said for the new system and finally adapting to the modern NFL with Dable and Kafka and Shea Tierney at quarterback's coach. I think you're going to have some fresh blood out there uh, in terms of what they're looking for and how they all attack teams. Ben G wants to know what the final repercussions of releasing Blake Martinez after week one. You know, I don't have that, uh, but I do know there's been a lot of talk about Blake and him being their only bona fide run stopper to play against the best running back in the league. Uh, why why the divorce post preseason? Now, look, uh, my take on Blake is this. We all watched Blake this summer and assume that the Giants were counting on 2020 Blake Martinez. And the reality is that I, I think we all looked at it improperly. I think we looked at it through a different lens. I think Blake looked like a player who was being eased back in and would have a role on this team eventually. And I think what we should have looked at is said they were giving their rookies, McFadden and Beavers, plenty of opportunities to be out there. You know, when Blake was out there, to start the Jets game, one of only, I think it was four starters, quote-unquote, at the time that we thought, it just should have been a sign that maybe they don't view him as Blake Martinez 2020 and they see Blake Martinez as 2022. So when you say that he's their best run stopper, is he, though? Is Blake Martinez going to be back to 2020 Blake Martinez? I hope he is. I like Blake. Blake was one of the first guests on this podcast last summer. I, I like Blake a lot, and I think he's a good player. Coming back from that ACL, I don't know where he is right now physically. I didn't see a ton of Blake Martinez this summer. Again, I thought it was easing him in. I, I just think it got to a point where 
if Blake Martinez was not going to be the guy who gets a lot of reps at inside backer, then why are you having him on this team? He's not going to play special teams. It may not have anything to do with his willingness to do it. He's just not going to be a special teams player on this team at this stage in his career. So I think they moved on. Will they take a hit? They'll take a hit if Blake Martinez of 2020 would have been out there on Sunday. I think they're they're hedging their bets and say that would not have been the case. That would not have been Blake Martinez out there on Sunday against the Titans. Michael Tantillo wants to know the bigger impact, Wink or Kafka? Well, I think Wink is the bigger impact because we're going to see so much change. And anything Kafka go, does will go to Dable. You know, because Brian Dable, even though he's pulling back and, and he'll be part of the offensive game plan. So I say Wink because the wink, the defense is Wink's baby. So good or bad, uh, I think Wink will have the bigger impact early. Uh, Mason, what do you got for me, Mason? Looks like you, uh, you may have missed... The question, let me see where... um... Okay, I got it, Mason. From a general feel and competence sense between front office and staffs, how does this front office and staff compare to Gettleman Shermer or Gettleman Judge? They are in the same page of the notebook. That's what I'll say. They are in lockstep. I know it's been talked a lot about, but I do think that they are on the same page, Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Uh, I think with Gettleman and Shermer, I think it was Gettleman's show and Shermer went along with what Gettleman said. I think with Gettleman and Judge, I think it was Judge's show to the begin at the beginning. And then I think there was a lot of conflict between Gettleman and Judge and the way they did things. Uh, so I, I don't think anyone truly was on the same page for much of those two tenures. I do believe that they're on the same page now, and that could make a big difference. Let's go to D. Cowan. Thanks for joining in. Likely no Thibodeau or Ojolari this week. I agree with that. Martinez gone. Beavers out. Bradbury long gone. A-Rob hasn't looked good. I'm feeling less optimistic than, than I thought I'd be feeling, even with Wink. Talk me down from the ledge, or am I right to be there? Well, I understand why you're on the ledge, and like I said to Bert and said several times, they haven't won an opener since Ben McAdoo coached his first game here. So there's reason to look at week one and say, are they really going to go down to Tennessee and pull off the win? I think the offense is going to be much better functionally and schematically than it's been. Uh, I think that'll help everyone involved. I don't think that makes a perfect product on Sunday. Uh, defensively, I still think that Wink Mart- Martindale is going to be a very difficult defense to prepare for for that offense in Tennessee. And I know that Derrick Henry has the possibility of going for 200 yards this week if the Giants don't play technically sound against the run. Uh, but I kind of like my chances of Bl- of Wink Martindale having this defense getting off early and making some plays. Um, I am concerned that with the tackling at the inside backer position, Tay Crowder, uh, presumably Austin Calitro will get the start, if not Micah McFadden. Uh, But I think you're going to see some wrinkles from Wink. I think you may see uh, Julian Love down in the box a little bit. 
Uh, I think their their best case for winning this game is that this defense takes advantage of a Tennessee offense that doesn't necessarily know what coming what's coming. If they had Thibodeau and Ojolari out there, I'd feel a lot better. I'd feel a lot better of having them stay within that five and a half and really make a run to win this game. Uh, they're going to need some some plays from their playmakers. You know, does Xavier McKinney come out and start his season uh, and bring about the echoes of Landon Collins from 2016 when whenever there was a play to be made, Landon Collins made it for that team? Can Xavier be that guy for this team right now? I think people are overlooking the move of Dexter Lawrence to Noseguard. I think he'll have a much better season this year. I think Leonard Williams will have a good year. Uh, I think Jihad Ward could make some plays this weekend. Uh, But ultimately, I think it does come down to as simple as it may be or as complicated as it may be uh, and difficult to execute. If you stop Derrick Henry and don't let him go off, you make Ryan Tannehill beat you. And if you try to make Ryan Ryan Tannehill beat you and you can get after him a little bit and get in second and longs, third and longs, then Wink Martindale's defense could have an impact regardless of the personnel on the field. But I don't know if I talked you off the ledge, but I think that's kind of what I'm feeling going in. All right, this is a longer segment than I anticipated, but I appreciate everyone jumping in. Last question, my boy Chris Vancherry. Long time, Chris. We'll go back to covering high schools together out there, uh, Passaic Valley country. Will Daniel Jones have a long or short hook? If he struggles, will we see Tyrod Taylor? I think Daniel Jones will be the quarterback of this team uh, as long as he's healthy. I don't think we'll see a hook uh, for Tyrod Taylor. I think his presence will be very important if Jones can't play. But I do think that Tyrod's performance in the summer is a little bit overblown considering who he was going against as far as the second team of the Giants. Uh, And then... Uh, I think in the preseason he came back to earth a little bit uh, and those questions kind of silenced a little bit about why Tyrod is not the starting quarterback. Daniel Jones is the starter. I think he's going to lead this offense. If he gets hurt, I think they have a much better opportunity to contend and compete in games with Tyrod Taylor than they did uh, with their backups from last year, but that's certainly not... Uh, an overstatement by any stretch. So thanks for everyone for being a part of the final drive. Thanks to Andrew Thomas, Burt Bainbridge, our sports betting analyst. He'll be with us every week. Hope you enjoyed that segment. And it's here, week one. I will be back for a special edition of All In with Art Stapleton, keeping the guest under wraps. Going to record it Friday and try to get it out there to you guys as much as as quickly as possible so you have something uh, to prime you for the weekend. I think you'll enjoy it. So as we say every week, I appreciate you guys are all in with us and our coverage with the New York Giants will remain all in. <laughs>